Well, hello, and I want to welcome you to the Victory Church Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Horton. I'm here to bring you a short message that's designed to help you become all that God created you to be and to live your life to the fullest. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get into today's message. Hello again. So glad to be with you on our weekly podcast. Hope things are going well in your world. It is an awesome day to be alive. Um, you know, years ago when I first came to the Lord, and this is you know way back in 1976, I used to see the cup half half empty, but now I see the cup half full, so to speak. And I used to think on the negative vein of life, and now, regardless of what comes in life, I find myself looking looking for the positive point that, that I can. Uh, that I can concentrate on. You know, Deuteronomy 30 says something. Uh, Choose you this day whom you'll serve. Life or death, God said to his covenant people, blessing or cursing. And he said, choose life that you and your seed may live. So we're living in a really strange day of chaotic uh, behaviors and crazy things happening in every level of culture as we know it today. But the good news is, God is doing some amazing things inside of all of us. And can't you sense the Spirit of God drawing us to Him today? Can't you sense Him asking us to pull ourselves away, asking us to spend time with Him, asking us to change our focus from natural things to spiritual things? It seems as though we don't have long before Jesus is going to come and take us up off this earth. And God wants us to be a light. He wants us to be an example. He wants us to be a blessing to others before we leave this place. Our mission today should be to fulfill the mandate that God has placed on our life. God has given every one of us a mandate. That is something that we are to specifically be doing uh, to be a blessing to someone else. And uh, I believe that the Lord is showing you what God is calling you to do. So again, uh, I've been talking about the Holy Spirit, and I talk, began talking about this last time, uh, a way that, that the Lord counteracts in us all the negatives and all of the deception and all of the delusion of our age is, is to place the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, on the inside of us. And he helps us counteract all of the, all of the lies, all of the deception, all of the delusion that, that comes at us but on a daily basis, doesn't he? So again, he gives us the spirit of truth to enable us to navigate in a world of chaos and deception. I, I mentioned again last time or so, First John 2, 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Isn't that comforting to know that regardless of what you hear and see uh, outside of you, all around you, that the truth truth teller is on the inside. He said in verse 27 of 1 John 2, you have an anointing which you have received from him and it abides in you. And you don't need that anyone teach you, but that same anointed teaches you concerning all things and is truth and is not a lie. See, when I hear that, you know what I hear? When, when I'm navigating through life, hearing information, looking at this, looking at that, making decisions, if information comes my way that's not right, there's somebody inside me to say, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. We have an unction. We have an anointing on the inside that is to lead and guide us. Again, I mentioned um, Romans eight fourteen. as many as are led by the Spirit of God. 
These are the sons of God. The Holy Spirit wants to guide and direct and lead us in our personal daily lives. Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Today, I want to dive right into this. and I'm not going to get through, so whatever we, wherever we end up today, we'll take off the next time. We'll start the next time. I want to talk to you about 10 ways that the Holy Spirit works in us today. This is very encouraging. I just feel like we need some encouragement today. Ten ways the Holy Spirit works in us. I'm going to go through these. I'm not going to try to be really fast. I'm going to just, just meander through it and see where the Lord takes us. You know, the first way the Holy Spirit works in us is the Holy Spirit creates unity in the body of Christ. So he uses us to be a focal point of unity in the family of God. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, New Living Translation says some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. He's saying that we all come from different vocations of life, different ethnicities, different nations, regardless. But he says, regardless of where you're from or where you were born, we have all been baptized or immersed into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. You know, I've traveled 17, 18 nations of the world. And the cool thing is, regardless of where you go, I've been to various parts of India. I've been to various parts of Africa. I've been to Europe. I've been to the former Soviet Union. I've been in Latin America. And you know, we have some wonderful, precious, precious brothers and sisters in Christ in all of these locations. And it's just amazing to me that I can, uh, I can be among people that I've never met and I don't know. But there's a kindredness to us. There's something on the inside of us that that lets us know that we're part of the same family. It's really a unique thing with the body of Christ that we share when we, when we sense that unity that God brings among us. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, Amplified, uh, for by means of the personal agency of one Holy Spirit, we're all, whether Jew or Greek, slave, free, are baptized or immersed into one body and all made to drink of one Holy Spirit. Listen to the Passion Translation of 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, a couple of verses here, 12 through 14. Again, the Passion Translation, a modern translation, says this, just as the human body is one, though it has many parts that together form one body, so too is Christ. And then verse 13, for by one Spirit we were all immersed and mingled into one single body. And no matter our status, whether we are Jews or non-Jews, oppressed or free, whether we are privileged to drink deeply of the same spirit. In fact, the human body, he says, is not one single part, but rather many parts mingled into one. And that's what he says about the body of Christ. We are, we are in the same body. We have different, uh, we have different uh, places that we function, we have different giftings, and we should we should appreciate each other and learn to love each other and walk in unity towards each other in the body of Christ. We actually need each other, and just like the the, the various parts of the human body uh, need each other. You don't think you need your little toe until you stub it, and you can hardly walk because it hurts so much, or or you know you don't realize how much you need. How much your knees play a huge role in your walking until one becomes painful. You know, you may not realize some of these other tender parts. So, you know, sometimes you don't think about your eyes, your ears, you know, when everything's going well. But if there's a, if one of them is hurt, boy, I mean, the whole body says, whoa, whoa, what's wrong? 
And, you know, we have to, of course, believe God to heal us. But the idea is just like the body, we're, in, we're, in de, we're interdependent on all of the different parts of our body. So it is with the body of Christ. And I like what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 25. He has done this, and he's talking about the unity of the body. He's done this intentionally so that every member would look after the others with mutual concern and so that there will be no division in the body. And that way, whatever happens to one member happens to all. If one suffers, everyone suffers. If one is honored, everyone rejoices. And so in a, in a day of uh, division, in a day of confusion, in a day where, you know, the, the, the tendency is to, you know, just kind of isolate, God wants us to be in unity with other members in the body of Christ. So I said all that to say this, any thought that comes to criticize, to demean another person in the family of God is never from the Holy Spirit. You know, um, you know, as leaders, we often, as we deal with people in our local church here at Victory Church, you know, as leaders, when I have meetings with my my uh, my senior leadership team, you know, there are times that we have to talk about uh, placing a person here, placing a person there, and we may talk about the gifts and talents and abilities one may have versus what another may have, but we never talk about others in a despairing way. God will never use you to criticize or demean another person in the family of God, the Holy Spirit. He always promotes unity. So let me say this, any person who gossips or speaks despairing of pastors, church leaders, or members of the body of Christ in general is not being used by the Holy Spirit. You know, all of us have deficiencies. All of us have flaws. And uh, there's, there's a, I love the New Living Translation uh, uses a phrase both in Ephesians 4.2 and I think it's uh, Colossians 3.14. He says, make allowances for one another because of your love. None of us are perfect. We all have uh, uh, inconsistencies in life, and God, we're still in the maturation process spiritually, and none of us are at the same place, and God has not called us to judge and criticize each other. He's called us to love each other and believe the best and see the best in other people, and that's what love does. Love believes the best of every person. We're living in a day. Isn't it true that, you know, you're listening to podcast, news broadcasts, and other things. And the public discourse today is filled with people who are airing other people's dirty laundry. I mean, things that people have said and done sometimes 20 years ago. And many times political opponents, for instance, will say and talk about things that happened years and years ago to demean their opponent, to try to get an edge on them. God will never use us to do those kinds of things. That is of the flesh, that is of the world, and I believe it can even be demonic in origin. So I love 1 Corinthians 13, of course. 1 Corinthians 13 gives is Paul's dissertation on the characteristics of the love of God, and one of them that I just love. You know, when I first heard what I'm about to tell you, it really challenged me, and it brought a big change and how I deal with life. We, you know, God wants us to live a positive life in a negative world. And, you know, I was raised, you know, just like everybody else in a family, in a community, and, of course, going to school and all that with my friends. And, and, and one of the mindsets that I gained was to look for the worst in people. Well, God wants us to look for the best in people. When I first came to the Lord, 
uh, was reading 1 Corinthians 13. Boy, this, and then this really grabbed me where it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 7, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. In this verse where it says love bears all things, there is a jewel hidden there. When you read the word love bears all things, the, the King James or New King James will use the word bear, B-E-A-R, bear, to hold something, bears all things. You know what the literal Greek rendering says? The, the word bears there is the Greek word which means, listen, to roof over or to cover, literally to cover with silence. So the, the, the Greek word there is the picture of a roof that covers a house, but the idea behind that is love covers. It doesn't expose others. It covers others. Now, you know what that's done for me? When I hear something, whether it's on the news or it's a podcast or it's something on the internet or Facebook, and somebody is lambasting another person's character in some way, you know what I do? I immediately cut that off say, wait, I don't need to be hearing that. And they don't need to be saying that. And in my own life, I have learned the best thing in I, I can do. And the Holy Spirit will lead me when, when, uh, when a, a person's activities are seeking to be exposed by others. God will lead me not to say a word about it, but to pray for them. I refuse to use my mouth to uncover the misdeeds and false deeds of another person. That, that's God's business. That's God's job. Now, again, I'm a leader, and as a leader in the body of Christ, if we have people that are you know, doing and saying things they shouldn't do and it's affecting other people in the body of Christ, then I, I have a responsibility to lovingly and prayerfully as the Lord leads me, go to that person and, and, and deal with it because, you know, uh, it, may, it, may affect a, it may affect a larger group of, group of people and I have to have discernment about how to do that. But what, I, what God will never use me or anybody else to do, or you either, is to expose public, publicly uh, a person's misdeeds. Never. He will never. He, he, the Holy Spirit leads us to cover, to cover with silence. Love believes the best of every person. So again, number one, the Holy Spirit will lead us to create unity or foster unity, I would say, in the body of Christ. I just love that. Number two today uh, is the Holy Spirit gives us the desire, watch this, to be like Jesus. Isn't that so awesome in a, such a dark, crass world? When you come to Jesus, there's a desire to change. There is a desire to come away from the culture that seems now more than ever to be accepting of any and all things, regardless of how bad it may be. The Holy Spirit moves us to change anything about our lives that doesn't line up with who Jesus is, how he acts, or what he would say. <laughs> uh, Romans 8, 9, but you're not in the flesh, it says, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of Christ dwell, the Spirit of God dwells in you. And then the next phrase says, the next sentence of Romans 8, 9, now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. I love that the Apostle Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit to cause the whole, call the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Christ. Isn't that amazing that you have the Spirit of Christ in you. 
there is a person in you, the Holy Spirit, and his one ambition is to make me and you like Jesus. And one of the first things he begins to do as his influence in us begins to grow, he begins to counteract anything in our thoughts, our attitudes, in our conversations, in what we value, in how we spend our time, in how we relate to others, in how we view ourselves. <laughs> he, he counteracts that anything that's not like Jesus. He says, wait, 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 wait. Can we, can we deal with this? He usually doesn't take it all at once, but one at a time, he will begin to deal with us. See, once we come to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ comes inside of us, his ambition is to take his spotlight out and begin to lead us into godliness, godly living, and to change how we think and how we live. Romans 12, 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul, he said, I beseech therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. He said, once you come to Jesus, friends, he's talking to the believers at Rome, he's talking to us today. Once you come to Jesus, God wants us to present our bodies. It's a paradox, a living sacrifice. The Jews offer dead animals as sacrifices. We're to offer as believers a living sacrifice, our physical body. That is, we lay our body on the altar of sacrifice, and when it wants to do what what we know it shouldn't do, and when the Bible says it shouldn't do, we lay it on the altar of sacrifice. And that is, that's the sacrifice that we offer God. He said, I, be I beg you, brethren, by the mercies, by the compassions of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I think it's Weiss translation. It says reasonable or rational service in that this service is conducted through the exercise of the mind. You know, our bodies change as our minds are renewed with God's Word. We change habits a little bit at a time as our minds are renewed with God's Word. So when we come to Jesus, we're so unlike Him. God puts the Spirit of Christ in us. And he immediately begins the process as we get into the word, as we act on the word, as we begin to resist the things that we in our previous before Christ life used to give into a little bit at a time. He changes our habits. He changes our desires. And then uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, verse 1 again, he says, you know, do something with your body. Make it a living sacrifice. Lay it on the altar. Make a choice that you're not going to obey. It's every whim and every desire. And let me also say we are, uh, you know, we're in the middle of this Daniel fast here at Victory Church. And I think it's really cool. You know, we, we, we love to eat certain things. So we're, we're basically fasting meats and sweets. And uh, and things that uh, things that anything that doesn't come right out of the ground, and you know I th I think it's a great thing, and it's appetites that we have to say no to. I think it's really cool. What does it do? Why do we do things like that? Makes us more aware of our relationship with Jesus, our need for Him, and the need really to conform ourselves to who He is and what He has. So when we say no to the physical appetites, the physical desires that. You know, now these things don't necessarily displease the Lord, the things we eat. But, you know, when we use that as a, that as a tool 
to say, you know what, I'm going to deny myself some of the common pleasures I normally have. It helps us in other ways when there are other areas of life where our body wants to rule us and, and wants us to do things that we shouldn't do. If we, can, if we can say no in one area, we can say no in a, another area. So in Romans 12, 1, it says, do something with your body. Give it to God as a living sacrifice. Verse 2, he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Uh, I think it's J.B. Phillips' translation of the first part there of, of Romans 12 to don't be conformed to this world. J.B. Phillips uh, translates that. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. And the idea is a, perhaps a piece of clay you put, uh, modeling clay you put in your hands and you, how you can squeeze your hands together, cup your hands together, and the clay will conform to the interior of your hand. And that's what he says the world is trying to do with our life, isn't it? Don't, be, don't let the world squeeze you to be like it, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And uh, that word transformed is really where we get our English word metamorphosis. The Greek word is uh, uh, the English word metamorphosis is the transliterated word from Greek, and it means to change from within. It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, you know, it's a tadpole, tadpole to a frog. It's a caterpillar to a butterfly. Change from the inside out. Don't let the world squeeze you to be like it, but be changed from the inside out. How? By the renewing of your mind, the complete revamping of how you think, that ye may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And there is a dynamic, as I conclude today, that the Apostle Paul uh, talks about clearly in three places in Scripture, in the book of Ephesians, the book of Colossians, and the book of Romans, and it's the put-on, put-off dynamic of life. And, and he uses the phrase, put off the old man, put on the new man. Put off like you would take a shirt off or take your coat off if it's cold outside and you come into a warm room. Put off the old man like you take off your coat. Put off the deeds that, or the things or the mindsets or the ways of living that you used to be involved in. And then put on, that word put on means to clothe yourself. It means, to, it means like you, to, to put a coat on when you're going outside in a cold day. The idea is what people see. Put off the old man. What people see in you, let it be changed so when they look at you, they don't see what you used to be. They say something new. Put on the new man. Well, if I put on the new man, what, what is that saying? When people see me, the first thing they see is something's changed about me. Notice what the Apostle Paul said about this in Ephesians 4. He said, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer uh, walk or conduct the manner of life as the rest of Gentiles or unbelievers walk in the emptiness of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the callousness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness. They get into all kind of wickedness because of the way they think, because their hearts are hard, he says, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But he says, but you've not so learned Christ. He says, you've not learned to live this way as a believer, if indeed you've heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off, here it is, Ephesians 4, 22, that you put off the former conduct, 
the old man, that is how we used to live before we knew Jesus, the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. He says, change your habits from what you used to be to what God wants you to be, and the intermediary agency is the mind. How do I change my habits? By changing how I think. It's talked about, he talks about it again in the book of Colossians. Colossians 3, do not lie to one another. Verse 9, since you have put off, see, put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. What causes us to put off the old man or the former behaviors that controlled us? What enables us to change the way we live, to change our habits in whatever sphere of life we're talking about? It could be mental habits. It could be, it could be conversation habits. It could be, uh, it could be attitudinal habits. It could be um, you know, just how we see and think about others and thousand things that we can change. It could be fleshly habits. How do you change them from the old person to the new person? He says, he says, which is renewed according to the image of him who created him. What are what is renewed for us to put off the old things and put on the new? It's it's our minds. And then Romans 13, he says this put off, put on thing again. And do know this, verse 11, Romans 13, knowing the time that now it's high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Not, um, uh, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry, not in lewdness and lust, not in sexual immorality, not in wild parties, he says. Some translations translate it that way. Not in strife and envy. But he says, but put on, there it is, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Amplified New Testament of Romans 13, 14. But clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And make no provision for indulging the flesh. Put a stop to thinking about the evil cravings of your physical nature to gratify its desires or lusts. So, so the first two things, we talk about 10 things, 10 things the Holy Spirit will do in your life as a believer, 10 ways the Holy Spirit works. Number one, he'll lead us to, to foster unity in the body of Christ. Be a person of unity. Be a person that doesn't divide, a person that blends together wherever God has called us to be. That's what God will call us to do. Secondly, the Holy Spirit will give us a desire to be like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. And as we go through our day with all of the influences that come from so many different sources, He will urge us and lead us to move away from things that, that are not like Jesus. And He'll deal with us to change our thoughts, our habits, our conversations, our attitudes, everything about us that's not like Jesus. And He does it a little bit 
at a time. I hope you've enjoyed this today. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that the influence of the Holy Spirit would increase in every life. Lord, as we get into the Word of God, Lord, as we go through our day, as we work, as we uh, have leisure time, we spend time with our families and do all the duties that life demands, I pray that we would become more aware of the Holy Spirit's presence, the Spirit of truth in us. Lord, thank you. This is a day of light. This is a day of life. This is a day to love, and it's a day to pursue you with passion. May each person that hears this pursue you with a fresh passion in Jesus' name. We'll take this up next time and continue with 10 ways the Holy Spirit works in us. God bless you, my friend. Thanks for listening to the Victory Church Weekly Podcast. I hope you're able to get something out of the message today. Before you leave, please make sure uh, that you subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform that you're listening from. Doing this goes a long way in helping us reach a wider audience. Lastly, if you want to reach out with questions, concerns, prayer requests, or comments about today's content, you can email me at pastor at victorychurchraleigh.com. I would love to hear from you. Now go out there and be all that God created you to be today. God bless you.